Our summaries this week contain two criminal law cases, both from the Arkansas Court of Appeals. The first is Long v. State, 2024, ARC App 98. The Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed defendant's conviction of possession of controlled substances as a habitual offender, despite arguments that the loss of dash cam video evidence called for suppression of the drugs, that defendant was entitled to a jury instruction on spoliation with an adverse inference against the state, and that the chain of custody was insufficient. Judge Gruber explained, quote, the relevant events in this case began on December 31, 2021, when Deputy Gary Sumner of the Miller County Sheriff's Department made a traffic stop for expired tags on the car Long was driving. Sumner smelled the odor of marijuana coming from inside the car. After learning that Long's driver's license was suspended and that there was a search waiver on file, Deputy Sumner searched the inside of the car. He opened the center console and found a small, clear plastic baggie containing what he believed to be methamphetamine. He showed it to Deputy Petrell, who by then had arrived as backup. Long was then arrested and charged with possession of a controlled substance. Sumner's body camera was turned on for the duration of the incident. The state's evidence at trial, including testimony by Deputy Sumner and Quentin Bryant, a forensic chemist at the Arkansas State Crime Laboratory, Sumner testified that he retrieved the baggie of alleged methamphetamine from the car at the conclusion of the traffic stop, took it to the sheriff's office, and weighed it with the contents inside. He testified that he placed his body cam on its charger at the end of his shift. He said it was his understanding that the body cam was set up to automatically download into the system, where it would be kept for a certain time period before it falls off the system, but he did not know the length of the time period. Photographs that Sumner had taken were introduced into evidence. One photo shows the baggie, its contents still inside, lying on a scale that displays a weight of 0.7 grams. Sumner testified that after weighing the baggie with contents, he put it in an envelope that he taped and labeled and initialed before placing it in an evidence locker and locking it. He explained that if it's believed to be narcotics, it will be retrieved by the Narcotics Task Force. And in this case, Detective Pendergrass, who was not in court because his father had passed away, transported the evidence to the Arkansas State Crime Laboratory Satellite Office in Hope and later transported it back to Miller County. At trial, the state asked Sumner to identify an envelope bearing his initials on the outside. He did so, stating that it was the one in which he had placed the small plastic baggie. He removed the baggie from the envelope during his testimony and, noting his initials on the baggie, identified it as the one he had found in Long's car. Quentin Bryant testified that he received an evidence envelope with the baggie inside and that he tested and weighed the drugs, which proved to be 0.1892 grams of methamphetamine. He ascribed the difference between Deputy Sumner's and his own measurements to the fact that he weighed only the methamphetamine that was in the baggie. Bryant testified regarding the protocol used to track submissions that were made to the state laboratory. He explained that the Hope location simply collects submissions, that Detective Pendergrass was the submitting officer there, as shown by his signature on Miller County's submission sheet, and that, as shown by her signature, it was Courtney Hamilton who transported the evidence from Hope to the Arkansas State Crime Laboratory in Little Rock. 
Bryant testified that he did not see anything out of order or suspicious, indicating that protocol had not been followed or that something had been changed that would impact the integrity of the evidence. End of quote. Loss of evidence. Defendant moved to suppress the contraband because of loss of the dash cam video. Quote, Long's first point on appeal is that the circuit court erred by failing to grant her motion to suppress the methamphetamine that was seized pursuant to the traffic stop and search. Long filed a pretrial motion titled Motion to Suppress Evidence Due to Destroyed Evidence, stating that police officers' reports indicated there was body cam footage, but that none had been found. The state responded that it had attempted to obtain the body cam video, but learned that videos in Miller County fell off the server after 12 months, as this one had done through no fault of the prosecutor's office or Deputy Sumner. The state acknowledged that video footage would have been helpful to both sides, but also noted that they have tried cases for years without video footage. End of quote. The Court of Appeals found no due process violation. Quote, The Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, as interpreted in Brady, makes the good or bad faith of the state irrelevant when the state fails to disclose material exculpatory evidence to the defendant. However, when there is a failure to preserve potentially useful evidence, this does not constitute a denial of due process of law unless a defendant can show bad faith on the part of the police. End of quote. If there is a showing of bad faith on the part of police, the next stage in analysis is whether the lost evidence was exculpatory and unable to be obtained by other means. Quote, To establish a due process violation when potentially useful evidence is destroyed, as in the present case, the defendant must show that the evidence possessed exculpatory value that was evident before the evidence was destroyed and is of such a nature that comparable evidence could not be obtained by other reasonably available means. In addition, unless a criminal defendant can show bad faith on the part of the police, failure to preserve potentially useful evidence does not constitute a denial of due process of law. Long has failed to show that the body cam video of the search was potentially exculpatory and that it contained evidence that was unobtainable by other means, such as how the state presented the trial testimony of Deputy Sumner. Further, she has not established bad faith on the part of police regarding the deletion of the body cam video. The circuit court found, and Long concedes, that the video was deleted inadvertently. Because the video was not destroyed in bad faith, she cannot prevail on appeal. End of quote. Spoliation Instruction A second issue was whether a criminal defendant is entitled to a spoliation instruction, noting an adverse inference in the case of such missing evidence. There is no entitlement to such an adverse inference in a criminal case, and the trial court did not err in denying defendants requested non-AMCI spoliation instruction. Quote, Long's second point on appeal is that the circuit court erred by failing to give the jury a spoliation instruction regarding the destruction of the body cam video. She argued to the circuit court that the jury should be instructed on spoliation because the body cam footage of the search and seizure had been destroyed. The court rejected her proposed instruction, but allowed her to proffer it. It reads as follows. If you find that the state intentionally lost, destroyed, or failed to preserve body cam footage that the state knew or should have known would be evidence in this case, 
you may infer, but are not required to infer, that the evidence was unfavorable to the state. End of quote. The Court of Appeals examined and rejected the proffered instruction and added that the proffered instruction was an incomplete statement of the law. Quote, Here we agree with the state that the circuit court did not abuse its discretion by rejecting Long's proffered instruction. The circuit court is not required to give a non-model jury instruction. Furthermore, as the circuit court recognized, the spoliation instruction is an incorrect statement of law because it fails to require a finding of bad faith on the part of the state. There was no proof of bad faith on the part of the police in the deletion of the body cam video. While the circuit court did not specifically mention bad faith, it reached the right result. End of quote. The opinion is helpful in explaining the difference between criminal and civil arenas as it concerns spoliation and cited precedent. Quote, in Autry v. State, 90 Arc App 131, a detective had destroyed his handwritten notes of a wire conversation between appellant and a confidential informant. Appellant er- argued that the jury should have been instructed on spoliation, giving the jury the ability to infer that the s- destroyed evidence was unfavorable to the party responsible for its spoliation. A spoliation instruction which allows a jury to infer that destroyed evidence was unfavorable to the party responsible for its destruction, is not the law in criminal cases. It is a doctrine applicable only in civil cases. Although there is a spoliation instruction in the Arkansas Model Jury Instructions Civil, there is no corresponding instruction in the Arkansas Model Jury Instructions Criminal. Further, because there was no evidence of pre-existing exculpatory value and there was comparable evidence readily available, the police were not required to preserve the handwritten notes as evidence. Autry's proposed spoliation instruction failed to contain the additional requirement that the defendant show bad faith on the part of the police to prove a due process violation based on the destruction of potentially useful evidence. End of quote. Chain of Custody Another argument centered on the state's failure to call on witnesses who handle the contraband. Quote, Long raised her chain of custody objection at trial before Quentin Bryant began his testimony about receiving the evidence envelope and testing the methamphetamine. Long argued that there was a break in the chain of custody because Deputy Pendergrass, who removed the evidence from the locker and transported it to the Arkansas State Crime Laboratory in Hope, Arkansas, was not in court to testify that he indeed had transported it. The circuit court overruled the objection about after hearing arguments from both parties, finding that Pendergrass's absence went to the weight of the evidence rather than to its admissibility. The purpose of establishing chain of custody is to prevent the introduction of evidence that has been tampered with or is not authentic. We will not reverse a circuit court's ruling on an evidentiary matter regarding admissibility of evidence absent an abuse of discretion because such matters are left to the sound discretion of the circuit court. To prove authenticity of evidence, the state must demonstrate a reasonable probability that the evidence has not been altered in any significant manner. It is not necessary that every moment from the time the physical evidence comes into possession of a law enforcement agency until it is introduced at trial be accounted for by every person who could have conceivably come in contact with the evidence during that period. 
The weight of live testimony and the fact that particular testimony is missing, however, are simply factors to assist the trier of fact in determining if the state demonstrated a reasonable probability that the evidence had not been altered in any significant manner. We find no abuse of discretion in the circuit court's overruling appellant's chain of custody objection and the court's admitting states exhibits 5 and 6 into evidence. End of quote. End of decision. In Lawson v. State, 2024, ARC App 91, the Arkansas Court of Appeals reversed criminal convictions because there was error in admitting certified copies of prior convictions after defense counsel offered to stipulate to the convictions. Judge Abramson explained, quote, Jermaine Lawson appeals from his convictions for possession of a firearm by certain persons, simultaneous possession of drugs and firearms, possession of a controlled substance, methamphetamine, possession of a controlled substance, cocaine, fleeing, and possession of a controlled substance, marijuana. On appeal, Lawson argues that the circuit court abused its discretion by admitting certified copies of his prior convictions. We agree, and we reverse and remand. End of quote. In opening statement, the prosecutor told the jury that the defendant was a convicted felon and had multiple prior convictions, but they should not be considered for anything other than his being a felon in possession of a firearm. Defense counsel objected in a bench conference following opening statements and offered to stipulate defendant was a convicted felon, but the trial court allowed admission of certified copies of the earlier convictions anyway. This was error. Quote, in Ferguson v. State, 362 Art 547, the Arkansas Supreme Court applied Old Chief v. United States, 519 U.S. 172, and reversed a defendant's convictions and remanded when the circuit court refused the defendant's offer to stipulate that he had a prior felony. The defendant had been charged with felon in possession of a firearm and of two counts of aggravated assault. The Ferguson court held that, when a defendant in a felon in possession of a firearm case offers to stipulate to or admit to the convicted felon element of that charge, the circuit court is required to accept the stipulation or admission, conditioned by an on-the-record colloquy in which the defendant acknowledges the underlying prior felony conviction and accedes to the stipulation or admission. End of quote. End of decision.